Welcome to Danny Houlihan's Irish Experience Podcast. Join Danny on a journey through the historical island of Ireland, its people and the wild Atlantic Way, which is Ireland's last frontier. Experience the music and the culture that makes up the longest coastal driving route in the world. Now, please welcome your host, Danny Houlihan. Island storm erupted from the west as the SS city of Limerick, under the command of Captain Cooper and his crew, made their way beyond the safe Shannon Estuary and the famous Loop Head. They say 20 miles on its outward bound voyage from County Limerick, Ireland. So strong was the storm that Captain Cooper and his men fought the gales in the high rolling seas, but due to a severe tempest, took action and turned the massive SS city of Limerick around towards the estuary and away from danger as they thought. The captain was at the helm and all hands were on deck that night. Safely brought the ship just inside the mouth of the Shannon estuary when a huge wave or white horse rose up from the Shannon then broke across the ship tearing her mast and part of her rigging and that of her tiller, away to the sea forever. The winds were so strong that Captain Cooper made a decision to lower her massive anchors in an attempt to slow down her fast approach to the shoreline. The city of Limerick was heading towards land rapidly, with the gales behind her. The ship increased her speed. The area where the ship was heading for was a rocky limestone bay known locally as Canuckanine Bay, today the Long Strand Ballybunion. No doubt Captain Cooper consulted the maps of the period, but all was in vain. The ship struck the limestone rocks off the shore with a massive bang, tearing a gouge in the limestone rock and sending some of its sailors overboard. Others scrambled up the last few masts that were on the ship away from danger of the sea, man, and indeed woman. Our story background is based along the golden long strand of Ballybunion, County Kerry, Ireland, in the year of 1834. And its story was covered in the newspapers of the day for up to three months after. From the account of the wreck to the debts and the auction and subsequent compensation that was awarded. The area where the story originated was called Canuckanine Bay, as I said, now known as the Long Strand Ballybunion, or the White Strand, renamed by the English. This ancient bay was a horseshoe bay in its geographical orientation, which can be clearly seen to this day, and its outline. This limestone-covered bay took its name from the highest santal, on the sand dunes, which rose to a height of 145 feet. This information I've obtained from the Admiralty maps of the period. The name of the highest sand dune was Canuckanine. The area 
had a population of thousands of people. Native Irish speakers with a rich tradition of salmon fishing, which spanned thousands of years back to the dawn of time. An area of Kilehene or Kiletna and Balie had its own diverse culture and its Irish language and many tradespeople from carpenters, coopers, weavers to blacksmiths to milling of corn. Indeed, the brewing of potheen was operated in the area from ancient times and also boat building. But at this period of its history, all was under the control of a few absentee landlords, such as Harring, Borghurst, Locke, Blacker Douglas, and indeed Lord Lestol. Under them were the agents, and under them more individuals of colourful character, which paints a frightful picture when rendered to a canvas or indeed to our programme. I will deal with these colourful characters in another episode. Now everyone, this story is made up, as usual, of research from the then newspapers I have consulted and maps from the period, such as the Abernethy maps, and accounts from the oral traditions that I have obtained over the years and handed down to me during the course of my extensive research into the area. As I have stated many times before, some accounts differ from each other, which indeed adds to the story and the flavour of the story. This story is just an opening chapter, as it poses many questions. But for now, sit back and enjoy this episode. I've loved putting this one together. This is Whiskey Galore. On the strand that morning, after the ship had struck the rocks, were many locals there to witness the shipwrecked city of Limerick with the horrific scenes of its crew clinging for their lives up the rigging. Also on scene that morning was George Hewson of Innesmore, who according to local lore was out in his horse suit having a morning ride on the golden strand of Bellier. Hewson, on seeing several sailors in distress, immediately rode through the waves on his loyal suit like an ancient crusader of bygone times and rescued quite a number of them. Also getting a closer look at the ship and his cargo on board, at that time, which was secured in the hold of the ship. On reaching the ship, he brought several sailors back to the shoreline, which would in time make him a hero and that of his horse Soot. Well, George Hewson and Soot did save them. Well, until the women got their hands on the sailors. The cargo of the city of Limerick was pork, beef, barrels, and hundreds of barrels of whiskey. The city of Limerick rose in the water like a dying giant, but broke its back on the limestone rock offshore, sending hundreds of barrels of whiskey, pork, beef, and butter floating in the water off Knuckanine Bay, Ballybunion. As the tide changed direction on its way in, so was the whiskey, much to the delight of the locals, 
who were described by the newspapers of the day as peasants. Needless to say, this news spread like wildfire around the countryside, as far away as Limerick in a short while. And this was a time before modern telecommunications. Word of mouth travels fast. On seeing what was unfolding on the Strand, the self-proclaimed landed gentry and lawmakers of the area had sent for the military. In fact, they too were the military and the Coast Guards, who were based in Beale and the Cashin and the old Coast Guard station in Ballybunion, now gone. At this point, a large enthusiastic crowd numbering thousands of locals could not hold off and started to run towards the stricken ship, which was still surrounded by water at that time, led by wreckers brandishing saws, hammers, sledgehammers, crowbars, anything that could be used to penetrate a breach in the hull of the great city of Limerick. As the barrel started to land on the shoreline with the incoming tide, the locals tore into the casks and barrels with hammers, knives. The account from the newspapers quoted after the locals had consumed the whiskey in large amounts without any regard to its owner, according to the reports of the day, were lying on the strand drunk and some dead already. Limerick Chronicle newspaper of the day, quote, Many of these inhumane wretches were seen stretched upon the beach like pigs, in a disgraceful state of stupefaction from liberal drafts of whisky they imbibed, unquote. I have seen this from the newspapers of the time. At this stage of the incident, hundreds had arrived from all corners of North Kerry to the Strand to take their share of the whisky. As they could get at the ship, more barrels fell out, resulting in fistfights breaking out. It was a dangerous scene to behold. One story was told that the mob wreckers were about to riot when someone shouted, Stop for God's sake, there's plenty for us all. Just to break from the newspaper reports of the time, I have consulted the Faction Fight map of 1834, which was published many years ago in the day Father Cassan's book, Kunukunur. The location of the wreck site was located just off the Kitties River. Now, to anyone that knows the area, the Kitties River runs through the golf course to this present day and out to the sea. I was told many years ago that there was a mark on the rocks where the city of Limerick came ashore on that fateful day, and it could be seen. Now, I did take a look many years ago down there, and there was a large gouge in the rock. However, in present times, that has now disappeared. More screaming headlines seen in the newspapers of the day. Savages with hammers, saws and sledgehammers attacked the ship relentlessly, reducing the massive ship to its keel. The Coast Guards. When the Coast Guards arrived, they came under fierce attack by the drunken local wreckers. The Coast Guards opened fire with their loaded weapons and shot a man dead after he attempted to steal a firkin of butter for his family who was hungry. Several Coast Guards received blows in the heads, called in Irish a Corrig Shock. Or locally known in the Ballybunion area as a Corrig Shock or a Rock Shock, with nicely rounded stones thrown by the outrageous mob at the Coast Guards, who retreated gracefully, injured and totally demoralised and crestfallen to the Santos, for fear of debt after getting a tip-off that their small company of Coast Guards would be slaughtered to bits by the locals to revenge the death of a friend who the Coast Guard killed. This they did 
and regroup themselves for the next planned exercise. After all, all that they could do was watch the proceedings unfold. No other military was present. Did they sample the whiskey on the beach that night? And the morning? We shall never know. It was floating in everywhere around them. On the following day, the attack continued on the SS city of Limerick, with the shouts of happiness when more whiskey was found in the wreck. This led to open fistfights, brawls over the barrels of whiskey, then washing in on the incoming tide at a rapid pace. It was said locally that there was not an old jinnet or an ass that walked or crawled on two legs that hauled barrels of booze off the strand that day and night before in front of the crestfallen coastguards. To save some of the cargo, local priests of the day, armed with their crucifixes, waded out into the deep waters towards the ship to retrieve the punchings of whiskey and were later praised by a coastguard from Beale Station called Joseph Dexter, who was on duty at that time with his sober officers. Pardon the pun. Another story that was related to me many years ago, now folks, it's just a story, is that one of the priests waded out to the stricken vessel to issue the last rites to the crew, who had climbed up the mast for safety. On reaching the vessel, the priest rose his crucifix in the air and shouted the act of contrition at the sailors as the tempest continued. One foul-mouthed sailor, upset by the barrage of holy words, shouted in his direction, shouted at the priest, a barrage of disgusting obscenities and told him where to place his crucifix and shouted at him, I am an atheist, Father. Another one of the sailors shouted at the priest, Father, you're at waist level. Save your own life, Father. Why, said the priest, are all of you up there? One of the sailors replied, One of our lads, Father, was rescued by a gentleman on a horse. But when he arrived on the shoreline, the ladies got so excited due to the influence of the whiskey, pulled his white breeches off. He had to hide in the sand dunes, Father. The priest looked up and shouted back at the sailors, That was Satan walking in mysterious ways. Watch your cargo, said the priest to the sailor. Whiskey, father, whiskey. Grab on to two barrels there, father, and you can save your life. That he did, and the Lord brought the priest back to the shoreline with the incoming tide, followed by barrels of whiskey in tow. It had been handed down through generations to generations and local law. That one local woman, observing the priest arriving back on terra firma, with two huge barrels of whiskey behind him, being dragged towards his horse and trap with a rope around his head, shouted at the busy priest. Father, she said. Yes, my child, he shouted. The Lord give it, and then the Lord is now taking it away, she shouted. A roar of laughter rose from the hundreds of happy drunken people lying flat out and inebriated on the long strand ballybunion. I will see you at confessions on Saturday, shouted the priest. No, the woman shouted back. Not until, Father, we finish off the whiskey. It will take some time. No, everyone, when I heard this one, it took the prize. Was there any evidence in this, or was it all made up or just a tale? Let's see in the next part of the story. Coast Guard's Rebuke, as seen in the newspapers of the day, 14th of December, 1833. I have said many times before that newspapers can be out or indeed incorrect with statements 
and events of a day or dates that occurred. This is one to note. The SS City of Limerick received much publicity in the local and national newspapers. All covered the state of the locals, or as they called them, peasants. The riot that took place around the ship to gain access and the drinking of liberal amounts of whiskey from the wreck, resulting in anti-social behaviour towards the Coast Guards and themselves. One rebuke was that of the Chief Officer, Coast Guard Joseph Dexter, of the Beale Station, north of Ballybunnan at Beale, to the Western Herald Tralee, as seen in the newspaper of the day, 14th of December, 1833. Quote, After the Coast Guard fired and shot a man, the wreckers made a simultaneous rush on the small body of Coast Guard, who were obliged to flee for their lives. This is not the fact. There was indeed a man shot, but there was no simultaneous attack made by the wreckers, neither a single Coast Guard retreated one inch or quit the strand during the night. Joseph Dexter, Chief Officer, Coast Guard, Beale Station. Unquote. Dexter goes on in the Chronicle to thank those involved in the attempts to save the cargo of the vessel. I cannot let the opportunity pass without returning thanks to the Reverend Mr. Enright, Roman Catholic Curate, for great exertions to save some of the wrecked property in which I am happy to say he succeeded. He goes on to thank the parish priest also by stating some of the cargo is returned daily through the exertions of the Reverend Mr. Buckley P.P., parish priest, assisted by the Reverend Gentleman. They were all gentlemen. Another story that was told of the wrecking of the SS City of Limerick was that of old Shan Padero Cunacourt from Kilihene, who was on his deathbed, having been anointed a week previously and waked by all his family, who were crying around him. He made a miraculous recovery like Lazarus after overhearing the commotion outside his thatched house, gained his health after hearing of the free whiskey that was floating freely in on the incoming tide. He quickly jumped out of his deathbed, tackled his ass and cart, and made his way onto the beach through the high sand dunes, passing his son and daughter along the way, much to their surprise, and that of his neighbours, who recently had been around his deathbed, lamenting his passing to the other world. Shan Padro Conacour dragged himself onto Conoconine Bay, collected his share of whisky in front of the Coast Guards. Some indeed had attended his wake a week previously. The Coast Guards were not impressed. Because Shan Pader had got up in his deathbed and had drank their last bottle of whisky. The Coast Guards did not mind this, as he was on his way to heaven. At that stage of the process, they were definitely not impressed with this. O'Connor quickly loaded four barrels of whisky onto his cart, alone and unaided, and returned home like a bullet, or as we'd say in our old Irish language, like the wind, in full view of the coast guards, who were speechless, bloodied, injured and crestfallen at that time. Shan Pader would last another 30 years to the good age of 105. Thanks to the whisky, However, it was the absentee landlords such as Harring, Borghurst and Blacker Douglas and others that would eventually cause the ultimate downfall for all of those lovely people who lived in that special area, with wholesale evictions and debt looming for those living within the sand dunes of Kilihene and Ballier, and the loss of the Irish language and the massive culture that existed in the area. It was said that in the area, 
whisky flowed like honey for months after the wrecking, and that there was not a dry eye in any thatched house for miles around. Even the few vintners that were in the village at that time had a bad trade, until the whisky was drank, then they were rewarded once more with their old trade. It was overheard in one of the great houses. Oh, I say, oh boy, enough of that chit-chat. Round up a dozen peasants, arrest them, throw them in jail for a week, and then let them go afterwards. But for God's sake, old boy, get rid of the whiskey to somewhere safe, maybe your lodges, and away from the eyes of the peasants and the law. Or we'll all go down with the city of Limerick as well. A gentleman in the company of the Justice of the Peace said, I say, oh boy, we are the law. The sound of whisky being poured into a glass, and the few words last uttered by the landed gentry was, I say, oh boy, fine whisky. After all, the whisky was in good company with the local landlords and gentry. It was soon disposed of quietly, and many received rewards after. When the whiskey was spirited away and the ship was stripped. The case of salvage and compensation arose, which is the most interesting and sobering part of the account. <clears throat> Again, pardon the pun, sobering. We read in the newspapers of the day, Kerry Evening Post, Tralee, Saturday, December 1833, that there was a great effort by the landed gentry and magistrates of the area to locate what was left of the city of Limerick's cargo, which was either drunk eaten or spirited away on that fateful day a night before. Great praise was given to the upper classes and the gentry involved, and indeed the locals were slighted once more and described as rotten, drunken peasants on that occasion. Class distinction was proudly evident in the Ballybunin area at that time and reports of that time. Again, as I've stated before, newspaper reports can be a little bit off, so take them with a pinch of salt, or, <clears throat> indeed, a glass of whiskey. Quote, The exertions of Francis Crosby, Esquire of Bally Longford, a magistrate of this country, have been most laudable and successful in recovering the property, part of the cargo of the schooner of the city of Limerick, wrecked on the 29th Ultimo of Ballybunnan. Unquote. Next, it goes on to describe the locals. Quote, Mr. Crosby is very popular with the peasantry in that part of the area. Unquote. William Sands Jr. of Piermont, also a magistrate, has in like manner been active in good work and the services of George Hewson of Innesmore, old George is back again, as Salver, have been eminently useful and prizeworthy. By these exertions we are informed that five punches of whisky, only five out of hundreds, and several casts of butter have been uncovered for the underwriters. What happened to the hundreds of bottles of whisky and barrels of pork, bacon? Vanished and spirited away, I suppose. One could just infer that the barrels of whisky rolling around North Kerry were in good company in the shape of all concerned, both the military and the landed gentry, 
and that it was a smell of fresh bacon, cooked, I should say, emanating from the great houses in Arkerry at that time. How many barrels were hidden around the countryside, though? It goes on to finish that two of the peasantry detected in the plundering of the cargo had been committed to the county jail. Only two? And there were hundreds plundering the ship. And the military standing by. Doing absolutely nothing, only sitting around. I have tried to ascertain what was the duration of their internment. Was it a month? Year? Hmm? A week? We shall never know the names of the culprits. It was never documented properly. Indeed, the lack of the ship's manifest I yet have to find to ascertain the exact quantity of the cargo, which I will. Screaming headlines in the newspapers of the day, weeks after. Seventeen people died from intoxication and consuming putrid food. Death from drinking and eating putrid food from the wreck. Weeks after the wrecking of the ship, reports arrived on the desks of many newspapers in the area with the title Effects of Intoxication. Quote, Wreck of the City of Limerick Schooner. We are informed that 17 persons died of intoxication after drinking the whisky ashore at Ballybunion from the wreck of the City of Limerick. Quote, Limerick Chronicle. Another report, quote, 16 persons died at Ballybunion this week it is thought of sickness caused by eating part of a putrid state cast ashore from the wreck city of Limerick, unquote. Now this raises a question, everyone. How did so many people die on the strand that morning and the days after from the whisky? Was the whisky in the hold of the city of Limerick unracked? Or was it on its way to be unracked? Because unracked whisky would have been lethal to any person and due to the climate of the area and the lack of food, with the looming evictions by absentee landlords in the area, consuming putrid meat combined with whisky would have killed many indeed. Now eating putrid food, how was it putrid? If it was in barrels recently loaded into the hold of a ship. That would have lasted for weeks on board the ship. Or was the meat rotten before embarkation? Or was the whisky as well bad? Also, how did they cook the food on the shoreline in a storm? With the wind blowing, there were no throwaway barbecues then. Unracked whiskey would have been lethal, mixed with potine, which was produced in the area locally, and that's a fact. Later on in the newspapers we read Wreck Auction of the SS City of Limerick 29th of January 1834 A wreck auction at Ballybunion appeared in the local newspaper Kerry Evening Post at the time 
dated the 29th of January 1834. In this we can get a snapshot of the cargo on the ship and what was left or recovered at that point. Quote To be sold by auction at Ballybunion the 5th of February next at 12 o'clock for the benefit of those concerned. 320 firkins of butter part of the cargo saved from the wreck of the brig City of Limerick with standing and running rigging codge anchor and chains some spare parts of the hull, some copper and iron bolts, and empty casks. Dated January 29, 1834. Francis Twiss, agent for Lloyds. Unquote. From this we can infer that the ship had been stripped entirely of its assets. There. This opened another line for me, for inquiry. How was the ship stripped so quickly? One would want to know their business to strip a ship. It has been inferred that locally that there were wreckers who lived in the area just for that type of work at that time who had the expertise to strip a ship such as carpenters and tradespeople who indeed were there for such an event as in those times which were poor to many locals of the area the sight of a ship in trouble was an added bonus to their lives. Also the landed gentry were involved as we see next who all benefited from the wrecking. Another theory that was put out in the area, that there was another ship which was switched with a cargo of rotten produce. However, this theory, I have found no grounds or evidence yet to support this. It completely stinks, completely. Case of Salvage, Tralee Mercury, 12th of February, 1834. As seen in the newspapers of the day. The magistrates assembled to investigate the claims of several persons for services rendered to the schooner city of Limerick, pronounced their award at the late hour last night as follows. Now this will be of interest to all students in the area and historians and those who have an interest in our local history as we have a few names as seen in the newspapers of the day, everyone, as I've stated, as seen in the newspapers of the day, it also highlights who got what from the wreck. As seen in the Tralee Mercury newspaper dated the 12th of the 2nd, 1834. Mr. Enright, PP, is required for his exertions and influence in restoring part of the property awarded £3. James Harris, chief boatman of the Cash and Coast Guard station and five men from the station, was awarded £5 and five shillings. Sergeant Dennis Egan of the local police, seven men under his command, £14. John Spread, Richard Walker, Richard Wren and Thomas Heffernan awarded £12 and seven shillings. Now this is where the landed gentry got awarded compensation. Topping the list, we have George Hewson Esquire of Innesmore. Old George is here for services rendered and money paid for labourers, etc. £43.09. shillings. Francis Hewson Esquire for storage and use of three lodges that were in Ballybunion. For two months, £40 was awarded. Francis Crosby Esquire one pound and eight shillings. Now the Coast Guard shared in the compensation according to the newspapers of the day. Mr. Joseph Dexter, Chief Officer and Crew at Beale Station, eight pounds, five shillings. From the report, the case was dealt with by representatives of the day of Mr. Mullock agents to the Irish shipping in London, unquote. As I said at the start, the meeting went into early hours of the morning. 
food and cucumber sandwiches were served, obviously bacon, and served with port and large amounts of whiskey. Now everyone, there might be one of your ancestors here on this list as seen in the newspapers of the day, as seen in the newspapers. It's part of our history and indeed, if you have any more information for this, just get in touch with me. I will include this information in any future update. It can be stated that the SS city of Limerick did contribute to the great faction fight of Bally in 1834, one year later, on the Golden Strand of Bally, as it has been said that the barrels of whiskey from the wreck were still secreted in hidden places such as caves around the countryside, from Ballybunion to the boundaries of Newmarket, County Cork. These were opened and shared with Putin on the day, contributing to the overall battle on the Strand. Many years later, they would not fight over whiskey or rotten meat, but for food, as the great Irish Holocaust or famine approached, with the wolfish activities of the absentee landlords. To hear the story of the faction fight that took place there, check out my podcast series on the Bellier Faction Fight 1834. When my glass is near empty, I must call bar for the moment, everyone. I lift my half-empty glass to you all. There's no whiskey in it. Only mineral water. I say for now, Slaunter, wishing you all a very happy new year from the banks of the Shannon River and the studio of Winnown, Winnown the Shannon Kunde Kiri. So when you get a chance, don't forget to subscribe and click the like button to my podcasts and follow me on YouTube and on my Facebook, Eco Trek Ballybunnen. Bye for now. Hmm, I wonder where did I put that big barrel of whiskey I hid? By the way, Anyone wanting to make a film out of this, please contact me for the film rights. Thanks for listening to our show. Through its people, its heritage and its rugged coastline, this is truly Danny Houlihan's Irish experience. Bye for now.